the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. USL show. We are brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Uh, Tyler, that's not something you gotta gotta worry about in your show. Not yet, at least. We're pretty spoiled here. Um, but you do have to worry it, about it with your job. In case no one knows, you're about to hear the voice of Tyler Terrence, freelance commentator, but you hear him most of the time uh, calling games for the USL. Tyler, thanks for join, joining me tonight, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it's an exciting time of year, and anytime I can I can talk about the playoffs and all the madness that's been going on. Love your guys' work, and uh, happy to be here. Let's roll. Thanks, man. Oh, and of course, three honest lads. Three honest lads. Three honest <laughs> lads. Yes. Um, you know, both Devin and Alex are like, make sure you promote the pod. But, yeah. You know, like it's a, it's a good reciprocal, like back and forth thing. Yeah, three honest lads. We. We like to sometimes uh, shoot the you-know-what and just kind of talk about the game, which has been fun. So. Yeah, I mean, if, if people listen to our show, I'd be shocked if they don't listen to yours. And so, <laughs> um, nobody, listens, nobody listens to our show. You guys have been around longer than us. You're the, uh, you, you started it. You're, you're the Old Testament. We're just riding coattails over here, man. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about some games. Let's start with the one that you actually called. You got to call that Phoenix-Austin Bold game and what a game yeah. it was. Kind of start with what you saw in the game. Uh, well, what I saw from the game, I mean, at least in the first half, it was just so bizarre. Like <laughs> neither team really looked them. I mean, Austin is a chameleon. They're just going to adapt to whatever background that yeah. they have. And they played midweek. And I was, I was nervous for the playing teams. As soon as I started to see five, six and seven go against Birmingham, I was like, I was like, these playing teams tonight could have a rough go of it. If it's going to go like that, but Austin, so disciplined, so organized, so experienced, um, and you saw that come out in spades in the first half. And and John, Adam John hit the crossbar midway through the first half. And if he scores, it totally changes the complexion of the game. But like every coach has said this year, um, basically, you like if you don't if 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 you can avoid conceding to Phoenix early, you're gonna have a shot. But if you concede early, the game's basically as as good as done. So yeah. Austin avoid that again into the second half, a bit more flow, more chances. Restrepo made a couple of really, really big saves. Zach Lubin had to make a big save. Ima Tumasi was fantastic. Um, he just got himself like at least a job in the USL championship if it doesn't work out with FC Dallas for a, for a long, long time. He put on a clinic. Um, but Phoenix just didn't really look themselves. Solomon Asante, the runaway MVP, um, has not looked himself since Fresno. And basically, you know, these two teams just literally went after it. There were times where it was open and expansive and entertaining soccer. But for the most part, like I would say there were a lot of times it looked like an Eastern Conference game, um, which I don't think Phoenix fans would love to hear. But I think it was just kind of true. Yeah. And then you get into extra time and, you know, more of the same. Austin had a couple of really good chances late. Francis Atua Henny, another loan from FC Dallas, same draft classes as Emo was actually drafted higher. He had a couple of big opportunities. We go to Penn's. Penn's were... Pens were crazy because Solomon Asante gets taken off in like the 115th minute for Jason Johnson, who hadn't put the ball in the back of the net since April. <laughs> and you're just like, is Phoenix really taking out the runaway MVP of the league right now in the Insane. biggest moment of the season? And they're going to lose. And they've never won any game going into extra time or penalty kicks. 
And so they have all of these ghosts to sort of like, you know, just get, you know, Sam Darnold style. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you know, they, people went perfect in pens to the three rounds. And then Lubin makes a save, or DB already misses. Lubin makes a save. Um, and it go ends up going to like the final round when Phoenix eventually missing. Um, ben Spencer steps up, one of the backup strikers. You had Ben Spencer, Joey Kalistri, and Jason Johnson in your five. Mm-hmm. Um, and Spencer hits it right at Restrepo, right at him. I mean, this guy, all he has to do is stick out a leg, and he decides to try to go down and get it. It sneaks under his arm, and Phoenix keep it going, and then from there, you get a miss from Jermaine Taylor, who has more than 100 caps with the Reggae Boys, so sure-footed, and then A.J. Cochran, who was denied by Cody Mizell to knock them out of the U.S. Open Cup, sends them through in the next round. Like Unbelievable. I mean, if you if like if there's not a team of destiny in this league, right. I, for that for all that to happen, I don't I don't know who is. I really don't. Well, and none of that seemed lined up for that destiny, right? It, you no, know, that's kind of the point you're making here. <laughs> yeah, like just I mean, absolute like madness, just chaos <laughs> ensued throughout that game. Like if you were to look at that slate of games and tell me that there was there was going to be a scoreless draw, Phoenix and Austin would literally be the last one. Like that is the first one you check off saying those are goals. Like there are goals in that. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, and you yeah. said it looked like an Eastern game, and I mean, it, you say that, and that just means that Austin got what they wanted. You know, they they got the game that they were hoping for, and, and that means they they planned it well and played it well. Uh, so there you go. <laughs> I think you're yeah. right, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty straightforward. And Phoenix didn't look themselves. They looked nervous. Like it looked like they were playing in a playoff game, and they had that same look last year. But you had a, a, a guy who scored goals in, in World Cups and Champions yeah. League finals to be able to bail you out in a couple of moments here and there. And it did happen for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but another game that I thought might look like an Eastern game, Fresno versus Locomotive. I put my faith in Fresno for all yeah. the defensive work <laughs> they've been they've been doing all year. Uh, and that's something I like to do in the playoffs. But in this, it didn't pay off for sure. Yeah, that was uh, like that was the point that Devin and I were making because we recorded three on his last today. and We were just talking about like like flip-flop those games. Like those, those scores don't make any sense. And um, it was always going to be a weird one with Fresno because the lineup that they put out, I mean, they had Sam strong playing like in a three back system and that's, it's not happening. And Elijah Martin is, you know, God love him, you know, a little bulldog, but you know, tactically I don't think was, was right for that game. And it was emotional. There were lead changes, um, but El Paso are good, man. And everybody's known that. And I think that if they had Seba Velasquez to start the season, um, you could be looking at a two or a three seed who might have like leapfrog Fresno when they were skidding at the end of the season because nobody was really there to do that. Um, but regardless, I mean, such an emotional game on both sides. I mean, you have El Paso coming off like the Walmart shootings from earlier this year and still feeling the after effects of that. Mm. And then Fresno, you know, on a much lesser scale in terms of the emotions, but don't know what is going to exist next year. And these guys basically are probably going to all be playing for a different team. Adam Smith is like probably job hunting at this point. Mm. So it's, it was just like a crazy, crazy storyline on both sides. And I think the game just came off in spades in terms of the, the, un, the unevenness of it all. Yeah. Um, but credit to El Paso. I mean, they're a good side. Mark's a really good coach and they play, they play some good football. They, they play football like, when it's bad, it's 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 the worst to watch because it's possession without any purpose. Yeah. But when when it's good, it's it's great. It's really really great. So hats off to them. Fresno, tough way to go out, but I think a lot of people saw it coming. Yep. Yep. Indeed. And and I you know that that one is definitely you framed it perfectly. That's the one where it's hard to choose who to root for for sure yeah. for all those reasons. So um, the the next game though, I was. 
if you were rooting for one side, you changed your mind for the other <laughs> side halfway through. OC versus uh, Real Monarchs. Um, boy, that was it. Monarchs were flying high for a little bit, and then yeah. something happened, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This was such a. This was set up to be probably the most level game out of out of all of them. It ends up being the most lopsided. Like that was by far the most highly anticipated Western Conference matchup. Yeah, for me and, too. And and Forrester getting sent off obviously, you know, killed the game. But the Monarchs are the better team, even when it was eleven v eleven. Like they were definitely the better team in that game. I actually took a little snooze from like halftime until <laughs> like the sixty fifth minute, and I woke up. I was like, "What the hell is going <laughs> yeah, what on?" Happened? <laughs> yeah, so I obviously had to go back and watch it, but. Um, no, it's just like one of those ones where it, it, that's why the single elimination is so beautiful because you never know if you're just going to like show up and have one of those days as much as you want to just see every team bring it, you know, to their utmost potential every single playoff game, because like, it's the most important part of the season, but there's still a team. There's still a bodies of work and orange County were susceptible to that at times this year. Um, and we saw the worst of them at the beginning of the season, but obviously they got better and were really, really hot. Probably one of the best informed teams in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin made that argument earlier today with us. And so I don't know, it's just strange game, really, really strange game. Um, but they happened. Indeed. They yeah. And I thought, I thought OC would show up for that one. Honestly, I was a little surprised at how ugly it was in the first yeah. little bit there. Real had it no matter whether the red card came or not, they had it for sure. Yeah. So. But keep in mind, I mean, the Monarchs have literally beaten everybody over the past like seven weeks. Like there's only one or two playoff teams in the last two months of the season that they did not face and, and beat. Yeah. Um, so they, they've been a really, really good side. It's a good organization because this is, you know, they've looked like this kind of a team on and off for every single year they've been in. Yes. And, and when they're shining, when they're at their best, it happens at random points within the season. It looks like this. And I think finally they kind of hit their stride in the playoffs rather than in the beginning of the season. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And especially given how poorly they played in the beginning of the season, I think everybody right. was shocked that it was sort of like, that there's no way that the Monarchs could look like this. But I was sitting there saying they have had that longevity in terms of the success thing. Sports are cyclical. Maybe the cycle is going to take a break this year. But right. no, they've been, they've been well, great. They really I was worried been. they were going to pull a Swope Park. You know, they still have some veterans, so they're not. But um, but yeah, I thought they were going to fall off the, the, end, the end of the planet and then uh, maybe drop or something like that. But no, here they are doing a really good job. Yeah. Looking great. A great team in the Western Conference for sure. Uh, but speaking of teams who haven't had much success, in the playoffs though they're usually a very good side reno losing dropping out to sacramento the seventh seed man yeah i started this game and i thought reno was gonna take it i thought herzog was on a roll he was all over the field which isn't necessarily his thing at least it wasn't when in st louis um but but here we are three to one scoring scoring goals for Corey herzog really like stopped being his thing for a solid two and a half three years and then he just started putting in goals left and right and reno and then we're like this is the guy we've been waiting for right yeah so it, it got me scared. We'd never see a good striker in St. Louis ever again. But we're, we're doing okay here with with Blackwood. If, if Blackwood didn't come along, you right. guys would still be like putting up half a goal a game yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, uh, but what happened, man? I, I didn't catch the second half, so I kind of need you to keep me up to date about how did Sack take this win? Oh, Sack took this win, and I, I'm with you, man. Like my bracket is a little bit busted, especially on that side. Especially on that side with Reno going out, I had them in the conference final against against Phoenix, and it's nice. just like I, Sacramento for so much talent on the roster, they just underachieved in so many ways. The fact that that lineup, or even that 16 to 17, because that's how deep they are, played in a play-in game, I was just like, what on earth? Like, and 
they showed up against New Mexico. They, you know, had a great goal, um, the ball from Warner into Ina Voltson, and they sort of carried that momentum in. And, you know, I said to Devin, I was like, I kind of worried a little bit here because, like, but but Reno, like you said, they have a they have a really good history so far. It's a brief history, but it's been a strong one. Yeah. And I liked all their pieces, and like you said, Herzog was, um, you know, it's just it was just a bizarre game in which Sacramento played well, and and I and Devin said they've looked they haven't looked as good in a while. And but what I said to him is it's still not great, right? Because it's not, but. Then again, there were games this year when I watched Reno, even when they won, where I was not convinced. Like their win at New Mexico, which obviously a tough environment, baseball field, you know, um, I, I just wasn't convinced. More, mostly because most of New Mexico's results they just gave to teams rather than teams earning them from from yeah. them. But um, no, Sacramento man, it, it quality side, I and mean, you get goals from Werner, Ina Voltson, and Cami Wassa. If there's any three guys you want to get going right now, it's those three. Um, so. They, they're a very, very talented. They could beat anybody in, in the Western Conference and anybody in the East, in my opinion. If they're on their best day, we haven't seen that yet this year. Not even not even close. So it just comes down to that. Right. And maybe their best has been just been, been this game in the previous one. I yes. don't know. Yeah, yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Anna Voltson is no small part of that, helping them get a little bit hotter here at the end of the season. And uh, he left the team halfway through the season. And uh, that team's doing okay still without him, actually, surprisingly. Maybe he's he thrives in the West or something. but uh, Or Indy 11 thrives without him. Yeah, so it could yeah. Well, they're just such a weird team. They had so much talent, and it's almost like, I don't know, do you get the feeling that maybe it's just their system is what makes them work with good defense, or it doesn't seem to matter who's who's on the attacking end up there? Um, no, it doesn't matter who's in the attacking end, and they rotate a little bit on the back line as well in terms of that three in terms of that three yeah. back, because you have to you have to give some breaks there, because if you're playing in a three-back system, those center backs are taking on a lot of physical work, like not only from a ground coverage standpoint, but you have to put in so many more tackles and be a lot more physical with the, with the people in front of you. Um, so yeah, I mean, Indy, uh, that we were, we were nervous about the fact that they were gonna have to play, um, at IUPUI instead of Lucas oil, because Lucas oil has been a fortress, but I also just think that Indy 11 understand that they're good at home and the brickyard yeah. battalion, like does their thing. Like they're a great support group. So they're, they're, they're soccer crazy in Indy. And I think that they just sort of needed to make a couple of roster changes. I don't think Ina Voltson fit into that system at all. Mm. And when you saw that he left, it became, it became a bit more structured. Thomas, uh, a lot of the time will stray away maybe from the offensive game plan, or maybe he sometimes like what, whoever his coach might be says, you have a little bit more Liberty than everybody else. And I don't think he's totally cut out for that because to be able to do that, you have to recognize where everybody else is on the field including your own actions and be able to create literally orchestrate the space and orchestrate the time. Mm -hmm. And he's good. I just don't know if he's that good. He can do it on Sacramento and get away with it because I think that there are better offensive pieces and there's more space to play in the West. But again, like you said, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, it's actually good to hear a guy like you who's been in the game kind of give a little bit more reasoning to the feelings that maybe we had about that. So that's actually cool to hear. Yeah, um, just my guess. I don't know. I, like, I could totally be spinning. You know, I could be Rumpelstiltskinning over here. You'd have no idea. I mean, for God's sake, I'm wearing a Harrisburg City Islanders. Thank you. Oh yeah, we had to bring that uh, yeah. up. Looking good, buddy. <laughs> Except you're supposed to be in a grocery store giving away secrets or something. That's what I something, think about. Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we won't go there. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, <laughs> the, the other thing I had about this was, you know, I, I never quite nailed down why Red Bull Two kind of faded at the end of this season because they've looked good you know it's what any any opinions from you um 
So to be honest, I didn't see them a ton towards the end of the season. Um, just because they're one of the teams that like the, our broadcast company doesn't do specifically for home games. They have their own home production, but, um, no, I mean, New York rebels two is always sort of an enigma, right? Because if you're going to play that style, you're going to expose yourself. There's going to be, there's going to be gaps when you give up the ball. And if you're not punishing teams, which they normally do, um, I mean, most of the strikers that they bring in are killers. I mean, you look at Tom Tom Barlow, you look at Brian white, you look at Derek at the end junior. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of guys who have rolled through there. Um, and they haven't been as lethal as they need to be in that sort of system in the teams. And teams also, I think, are starting to figure it out. I, listen, everybody knows what they try to do. It's stopping it, which becomes the issue. And do you have the players to stop it? And as this league gets better, the in-game adjustments from those players, I think, are also getting better because that's just a tactical mindset that's coming in. So I think that it's just starting to go that way a little bit. Um, again, I think that they were another one who fell victim to the mental piece of it in terms of seeing that graphic on Twitter that says you've clinched a playoff spot in the postseason, New York rebels two for all intents and purposes should have been fighting for like a one through three. Shouldn't be dropping out and having to go play on the road in the first round. Mm -hmm. The same goes for the Tampa Bay rowdies. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about that, but like, I just think it's unacceptable to be that good for that for that big of a part of the season, because you clearly put the body of work together. So for me, for you to capitulate like that at the end of the season, that's mental. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that thought, though. I like that thought that perhaps teams have been figuring them out and the talent levels raising that they can maybe play out of that pressure. Um, I think that's a good, at least, intuition in that situation. But, you know, let's jump straight to what you mentioned, the Rowdies doing yeah. the same thing, cl- getting that clinch spot and then dropping all the way down to five. They looked like the <sighs> best team in the league for a long time, at least in the East. Yeah, they did. And I was... I- I was always really impressed with the results that they were that they were putting together. Same. But throughout the course of 90 minutes though, there were there would be large 10-15 minute stretches where I was sort of unenamored. Um even again, you know, that was a rematch of a game between Louisville and Tampa where Louisville went up 2-0, scored goals on either side of halftime. They give up um two goals up a man yep. with 10 minutes to go. Tampa Bay turned it on when they got to 10 men and when they realized that they were in trouble of of dropping points in a really, really big game and Louisville blew it. But like, I don't know. I just, I just have never really been thoroughly convinced throughout 90 minutes. Listen, not many teams in this league do that. Right. I mean, like Louisville is one, um, you know, Fresno has put together some good 90 minute performances, RIP to them in the postseason. Pittsburgh Uh, figured that out about a third of the way through. Yeah. Um, But I don't know, man. It was just like one of those things where, you just were scratching your heads at Tampa Bay at the end of the season. And again, it's the same thing. It's a mental lapse. Like, don't get me wrong. Loud United has been playing some really good football at the end of the season. Them and Atlanta United too finished like the hottest teams in the league, like bar nut in the last like five weeks of the season, which is crazy to think about. But for the love of God, like, why are you, why are you dropping out of a home playoff position? You deserve every ounce of what you got in terms of, you know, the amount of rain that piled up at Slugger Field on Saturday, Mm -hmm. because you put yourself in a position where you have to go play basically, you know, while the horses are running the Kentucky Derby through the mud. Um, It just was, it was, it was disappointing to see them do that at the end of the season and then lay an egg in the postseason. Um, But Louisville is the back-to-back chance for a reason. John Hackworth's a great coach. 
and I have them going all the way to the final against Phoenix for a rematch. That's the they're, they're, they're that good at the end of the season. They are that good at the end of the season. I agree, I agree with you, and I had them, and I just chose Pittsburgh to kind of be different from my uh, my fellow, my friends here at the USL show, but you know, yeah. they're the antithesis of the Rowdies, where they started pretty slow. I was not thrilled about them for a pretty long time, but the last maybe five, six weeks, I've I don't know if there's a hotter team, a team that's gotten hotter more suddenly. Yeah, there's a ridiculous statistic that in the last four years, Devin actually dug this up. They've only lost like three games in the final three months of the season. That's crazy. Stretched over four years. Like that's that's the that's not a coincidence. That's not a statistic where you look at and you say, oh, that yeah, maybe have a cause and effect. No, there's there's a there's a cause and effect. It's the cause is that they have a bunch of veterans who know how to freaking turn it on at the end of the year. Like that's the cause and effect. Hundred um, percent. They're so good, man. They are so good, and they're. Uh, if, if they are healthy and that's the, been the biggest thing and Oscar Jimenez has been playing out of position on the right hand side and the emergence of Pat McMahon has allowed Oscar to go back to the left hand side because he can deliver with either foot. That's what makes him one of the best outside backs in the game. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just totally opened up a, a world of opportunities. They've gotten better defensively as the year has gone on and for other teams, they can get away with not being informed going into the postseason. Like Phoenix has gotten away with it in the past um, Sacramento is obviously getting away with it, but Louisville, I don't think even chances it because I think that they have the right mentality. And this is why they're back-to-back champs try to be in good form all the time. Mm. You're going to have, you're going to have rough patches throughout the season. Everybody does, but always be building. The product needs to be getting better by the end of the season because you've been together for 34, for 34 games. It should be better at the end of the season. Yeah. And that's just, and that's just a really strong, simplistic yet effective mentality to bring in. Yeah. And it's happened year after year after year. We always talk about those teams who start out so hot. They're at the top of the table at the beginning of the year. And you don't think anyone's going to bring them down. Happens every year where I'm just like, you know, just like this. New Mexico, right? Like people thought New Mexico were giant killers. Exactly. And Tampa Bay, I thought they were never coming down this table, but it happens every year. And, and it's for some reason, it's less memorable when they kind of do what Louisville is doing right now, which is come up at the end and, and take over for the, for the long run. So, you know, I agree with that mentality. I think if I was a coach, I would be saying the same thing. Let's not get hot till the end. Let's be perfect at the end and work our way up. But, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't know how that kind of thing works. Uh, like a, uh, near pro like yourself. Did you almost make it? <laughs> Near pro, I have, I have one claim to fame. And that's I played in a Danish FA Cup game when I was oh. I, I was studying abroad and I got picked up by a semi-professional team um, in Denmark. Like I was playing, I was like just trying to stay fit because I played in college, <laughs> and you know there was like this team that was associated with like this big international study abroad program that I was in, and I just went to go to tryouts and like. You know, there were some donkeys who were playing in there, it's at least to somebody who was playing college soccer at the time. And the first team coach happened to be like for the whole entire club happened to be watching. And he picked like me and two or three other kids who also played college soccer out of the bunch. And um, we end up on this semi-professional, you know, Danish team and they were having an FA Cup game. And I played like, you know, seven league games with them. And I like played in the Danish oh FA Cup God. game, which was so cool. That's it was a freaking like a dream. Really big field. There was like, you know, less than 100 people there. But still, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, no, who cares? That's a yeah, dream. Yeah. That's a story and a half right there, Tyler. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it to our show, to be honest. I, you see, the thing is, is Devin has never asked me about that before. <laughs> because like, it's my only claim to fame. I mean, he knows that I've done it, but we just never talked about it. Because he's like, I don't want to hear about your whatever. Because he went on trial and <laughs> 
Germany. And, you know, you just never, he never asked about me. I always ask about him. You it's two just, are really like, you two are really funny. It, it's your relationship. Sometimes it even gets awkward. And I know you guys. Yeah. Because he's a moron. That's why it gets awkward. Exactly. You two go at it in the middle of a show and I don't know what to think. And then you guys are fine the next second. So. <laughs> I love it. You know, somebody, I think there was somebody recently who who asked Devin, like, "Wow, you and Tyler really don't get along, huh?" And he's like, "No, no we're my best friends in the world. Like, yeah. he's just an idiot. Like, we just go after each other." You like, can tell you're that you're like the brothers. You're like the friends that are pretty much like brothers. If you well, grew up I've together, never, I I grew up with two sisters, and I'm like, you know, a guy's guy. I'm a sports commentator for God's sake. So like, you know, my dad is a huge sports fan, but like, you know, he worked a ton. So I was always like desperate for that male to male companionship like throughout the house. And then like I, you know, end up meeting Devin through this broadcasting thing. He's a huge soccer fan. He played professionally. He's a Liverpool fan. And we're broadcasting games together for God knows how long. Like, why not become best friends? So it's just, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. It's great. Obviously a great dude. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I'm really glad you guys have developed this show. Um, I do want to cover two more sh- uh, two more games and then get some maybe some uh, guesses from you about what some predictions of what's going to happen. Pittsburgh and Birmingham. Uh, you mentioned these are both the play-in team games. You mentioned how in the West you were worried what was going to happen after what happened in the East because both these teams look pretty sluggish to me at least especially birmingham in these games yeah yeah that was uh (laughs) wasn't fun i was watching dual screen actually i was in the production hub at vista and we and me and the producer that were doing the phoenix game while we're waiting for Devin before our show we put both games up on the big screen like in our production in the control room and then I also had both audio mixes, both commentators mixed on um, the, the thing. So I could go back and forth depending on whether or not there was a chance. And the Louisville-Tampa game had a little bit more of a rhythm in terms of just like not scoring a goal every 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and I could like go back and forth between Mike and Devin and then Matt um, and his commentators of Pittsburgh. And I just kept having to go back to Pittsburgh. Like, this is stupid. After goal number five, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. No. Yeah. Birmingham looked disinterested. They didn't get off the bus. And... I was like genuinely concerned for a lot of these guys, like, you know, mental well-being, because this was just so embarrassing. I mean, like Zach Erivo, like arguing that that wasn't a penalty in the area after <laughs> tugging on his jersey before the Robbie Mertz penalty. Like, dude, it, it is so clear right now that you are beyond frustrated with the result. I get that. But you just yanked on a dude's jersey in the penalty area. Stop complaining. Go home. You didn't you never got off the bus. So just get get back on and, and, and head back because it was embarrassing. And they were so good at points in the season, especially at the end. And I think Zach's a great player. I covered him during the Gold Cup. Like, um, but you know, it's just like it is uh, just embarrassing. Yeah. Absolutely embarrassing. Of were they good though? I I wonder how good they actually were, and if they were just kind of <laughs> lifted by a couple of players. I, I, I mean, why did you just say? Why did you just say? Like, I don't think that they were a good team. Well, I mean, look at what negative fifteen goal differential or something like that at the end of the season is pretty tough. Like, yeah, that's where you're look. like USL. Look at these guys. Like, maybe go to go back to eight teams in the playoffs again. <laughs> but I mean, look, they won. They got past the playing round. So I guess proving me wrong in a way. But yeah. But man, I I didn't think so. But maybe you can tell me what you saw. Like when you say they were good, like what was your what did you like about them? I like the fact that they had some good players in the middle of the field and prosper. Um, You know, Zach was obviously great. Um, And I like the fact that they could defend when they needed to defend. And they had two bulls in the form of Brian Wright and J.J. Williams. I mean, those guys bash and. If I'm a center back, that's the last pair of strikers that I want to see in this league. Like from no other standpoint, in the sense that I just know it's going to be a physical game. 
Mm-hmm. Not like, you know, Solomon Asante, like, you know, you can bump him off the ball, but you know, for these guys, there's no bumping anybody, you know, you might stop him a couple of times, but he's going to try to run through you. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I just liked their makeup of their team. I thought Tom did a really good job towards the end of the season in terms of making an adjustment that like, they couldn't just be this all out blitz team that they wanted to be and put on, you know, everybody says like, we want to play a really entertaining brand of football. What if you don't have the players to do it and you have to play a different way? Like 100%. everybody says that they want to do that. Like us men's national team. That's all Greg ever says is we want to play a really exciting brand of football for our fans. Dude, why don't you play the brand of football that, you know, sees us actually put up a fight against Canada or get, yeah. do, get, do something with a locker room. I'm sorry. It's neither here nor there, but no, it is. Uh, no, yeah. I think that's a perfect <laughs> parallel to be honest with you. And, and I see where you're coming from in that way. I, I like that. I mean, they, they know what they have. They know what they can win with, and they did. I mean, look at how far yeah. they went in their first year. That's pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another team that knows who they are, Charleston Bar- Battery. Um, I thought they had a chance in this game if no, they set up the right way. You never didn't think so? Never had a prayer. Fair enough. No. <laughs> against this kind of team, though, I mean, they probably would have been better against someone like Red Bull 2 or uh, even the Rowdies, but they got Not Nashville. against Red Bulls 2. They've lost to Red Bulls 2 in the playoffs the past, like, 17 years in a row. No, it's only been, like, the past three, but <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying, though. A more open game. Like yeah, if they yeah, have yeah. to try yeah. to like break down a forest lasso bound wall, like it's not going to happen. Yeah. Most men can't do that. <laughs> yeah, forest lasso is it. He's the he's he's number one on Devin and I's list of people I would not get want to get in a bar fight with in no. the USL championship. Yeah. In, in fact, Patty Barrett is up there. He's he's a big one. Lasso is the one Um, I want to get hit in the face and I want to stand up and I want Lasso to stand up right next to me. That's what I want. (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, let's talk about this. Nashville pretty much had it in hand the whole time. I was never really that worried. Yeah, no, not worried. Um, Charleston have been mediocre all season. They've been right there on the cutoff line. They were like potentially going to, you know, snap that streak of being the only team remaining in the modern era of the USL to go to the postseason. And Hauser's a great coach, but like I just thought throughout times this season, especially at the number nine position in scoring goals. Yep. Um that was just it, it was just like who's gonna do it? Like Atula Guerra had all sorts of issues with whatever was going on with his visa and everything like that. McHugh Daly had a couple of really good moments in the dog days of, of the summer when they were really shorthanded, especially during the open cup. And then like Arthur Boshua, like, come on. Yeah. That's not, that's not moving the deal for me. Um, but yeah, they have a lot of other good pieces. Zico Lewis is a baller. Mm-hmm. Zico Lewis is an absolute baller. Um, you know, Dante Marini. I love the way that he plays. They have a lot of like interesting, short tactical Tasmanian devils on their team. Like a lot of the same, like, I feel like Candela is similar in that sense. Angelo Kelly, like they're just all like really hardworking, hard nosed dudes. Mm-hmm. But um, from a from an attacking standpoint, they were never going to be able to break down a sophisticated defense like Nashville. Not so much sophisticated, just more so brute freaking strength. And yeah. they're all, they also are organized. You do have to give Gary Smith credit, of course. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. what I was about to say. But you covered yourself there, so well done. I'm sorry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. Let's move on to predictions real quick. Um, what do you think? Who do you see the final four being? Let's just go straight to it. All right, so let's start in order of the games, or at least I remember in order of the games. So Phoenix and the Monarchs play on Friday. Mm-hmm. I think that the win that they had was not pretty. It was at times kind of like horrid to watch, especially in the first half, given what we've seen from Phoenix. But that sort of win brings a team together. And I don't think that they're going to lose to the Monarchs twice at home in a matter of three weeks. Mm. That I also don't see happening. Just like they weren't going to lose to T2 in back-to-back weeks last year when they took them on after the regular season finale. So 
beating a team like that on the road, if you're the Monarchs, a team that's only lost four times this year, good luck. Phoenix is going to move on. Yep. Um, Indy and Nashville. I lo- first of all, I love this matchup. I love it so much that like I almost might not watch it because I know it's probably going to finish no nil over 120 minutes. <laughs> like it's just going to be like I know there will not be goals in this. I wanted to make Devin a bet, but he's lost a lot of bets to me recently, so we we stayed away from that. Um, this is going to be a slugfest. 15 rounds of brutal head banging Eastern Conference football. Like this is a game that Gary Smith like lives for. He dreams of games like this. Um, I almost want it I, to snow, even though it won't. Oh, that would make it. Oh, that would make it incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It's at least pouring rain. Right. Pouring thank you. rain. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a toss up for me. It really is. Um, who do you like? Um, I think I'll, I'll defer because I don't like, I don't want to make a decision. I think I would pick Nashville. They are at home, but also just like Rios, you know, Yeah. <laughs> and, and they got the guys to sub in on top of that. Um, and he's just been bad away. I mean, my, our buddies, Brian cook, no mean soccer, Richard Rainwater. They're just so frustrated with the away form of Indy 11. So yeah. I hear about it a lot. So that's why I think I'd lean Nashville. Right, be- just cause, just because you said that, I'll go Indy. Okay, now, perfect. Now, everything that you just said, I was thinking of ways to like contradict you. I was like, yeah, but Indy has some good pieces. They're also in a three back. Martin Rennie's a good coach. Yeah, yeah I like Indy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But I will say, I'll warn you that I called uh, Pittsburgh versus Birmingham. I called that a snooze. It was going to be a snooze fest, and look what happened. So. You never know what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, but, Bur- but you weren't anticipating that Birmingham wasn't just going to show up for the game. Like, yeah, and right. who, could, who could have predicted that? That's not your fault. I thought they were going to show up with a game plan, and it just never never occurred. Yeah, or at least with their boots on or something. I don't know. <laughs> something different than what they did. But what do you think about Pittsburgh and Louisville? What do you think is going to happen there? This is a tough one. Also, like credit to the Steel Army because Highmark was bumping yeah. during that game and the weather was horrific. Like I was really, really impressed. We've never seen Highmark like that, at least in at least in I've, I've never seen it like that. Put it that way. Since I've been doing games, this is my third year now. I've never seen it like that. Um, so that that in Phoenix, I think were probably the two best atmospheres um, of the of the first round. But mm-hmm. anyway. Heard I that from Louis- multiple people about both both things you're talking about, though. By yeah. the way, yeah. yeah, great, great atmosphere at both of those oh, games. But so go ahead. good. Sorry, I want to say Louisville, not only because I genuinely, with my heart and my head, think that they're going to win, but there's something about having a crowd like that, and also Pittsburgh has never really done this before. They haven't been out of the first round of the playoffs since God knows when. Mm-hmm. So like. This is this is a big year for them, a really really big year for them, and I think Nico Brett is a baller. I think Kennardo Forbes is probably one of the most underrated players in the entire league. Agree. And, and Bob Lilly knows that, and that's why he has been following him around. And Kennardo Forbes is at the heart of what we like to call the Pittsburgh River Rhinos. Like Kennardo Forbes made the Rhinos go for so many years, even though they were so bad defensively uh, or offensively going forward. Excuse me. And then he brought that to Pittsburgh, and he's just like there was a game against Loudon that Canardo didn't start and he came on in the second half and you know Pittsburgh ends up winning and it, it, he just totally changed the game mm-hmm. and those are the types of players you want on your teams he just paints the field in the only way that he knows how and I love watching him but Louisville's gonna win yeah it's gonna be really I think it could be an instant classic <laughs> I agree, completely yeah. agree with that uh Pittsburgh though they just haven't been given a have they given up a goal at home I think recently they did They've just they, been insane at home. So they haven't given up a goal at home all year? 
maybe it was since August or something like that, July. It's oh, been a, a long, right long time. So I might, I might cheat. I might use that in please. my. Uh, I'm definitely going to go dig that up for my broadcast. <laughs> and I need to. I need to know what that is. Obviously, <laughs> the uh, the Mongols guys are cursing me right now because they know exactly what it is. But yeah. um, but at least I tried to stand up for them for once. Um, but let's talk about the last game: El Paso versus Sac Republic. What do you think? In El Paso, that place is going to be jumping. Um, I just have zero faith in Sacramento, like beyond zero faith. Right. I just don't trust them as a soccer team at all. It shouldn't be that way. And I think that they have a lot of talent, but for whatever reason this year, they've been wildly inconsistent at times, mediocre. Mm. El Paso can run you into the ground for 90 minutes with their ball movement, with their movement off the ball. Um, El Paso and pens. Okay, I, that's not a, that's not a bad shot to be honest. I and mean, I could even see it being like a one-one or a two-two with pens. But uh, yeah, um, I think it's Devin has actually had a lot of takes about locomotive having individual pieces that could make the difference. And Sacks yeah. kind of the same way. And I've kind of latched onto that. I think this could be interesting just because one or two guys can make the difference here for either team. So one thousand percent. I mean, they have yeah. I mean, if any t- anybody who has Sebastian Velasquez on their team is always going to have a chance at the end of the game to either save you from a loss or, or propel you to a win like yep. it's it's just that simple he's so good he's him and john baccaro i think are by far and away the best number 10s in the league like i don't really think it's close oh wow okay so i gotta watch more of both of them but i'm with you with Subba because i've followed him for a little bit and i've yeah. he's been one of my favorite players i was i was hoping st louis would take a look uh when he when he left i was hoping they might grab him but you know they're smart in el paso and they got it yeah so. yeah um right on man uh i think there's one more thing we wanted to cover before we went on and that is the situation in hartford and jimmy nielsen saying goodbye to the team after only one season um it's all very hard to watch right it is hard to watch but like you know the car crash on the side of the road and the stupidest reason for traffic in the history of humanity you always got a rubberneck and just peek around the corner and and see what's going on and not only because it's super interesting the fact that he bailed on what a, a contract that had, I think, two more years on it. But also because Jimmy's such a good coach and has already had so much success in this league. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows what kind of football mind he has inside of that beautiful blonde hair ahead of his. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's no secret. And Hartford, with all the controversy going on around them in terms of player treatment, I mean, are you surprised yeah, just because he's not with the team anymore. You think like maybe you might be able to like come to some sort of resolution during the offseason or whatever it might be um, with the front office or whatever. I, th- this year was not Jimmy's fault. I think everybody also knows that. Yeah. And that's the most frustrating part. So it's not Jimmy's fault. One out of three years into his contract, why does he leave? Maybe the mutual agreement letter that we see from every team, this one actually was true. And like Jimmy, or maybe it wasn't mutual. Maybe Jimmy just wanted out. Mm. Um, we, we don't know, but I'll tell you this. If, if Hartford fired him purely based on the fact of Jimmy Nielsen as a coach and the results from this year, not a good look. Right. I mean, it, not a good look. it can't be, I mean, yeah. it, it, exactly. It's just really, well, I was about to say it's poor management, but maybe that is, maybe they're that bad that they would do it. I don't know. But, um, but I do know what players say about Jimmy Nielsen, which is nothing but good. Uh, yeah. they love playing through him, uh, or playing for him rather. Um, 
And you, you almost take this as like, how are they going to get players next year based on all the things that have been said about them with this cherry on top with him quitting or, you know, mutually parting ways at the end of the season. Right. To me, that's like a, a red flag for any player thinking about going to Hartford. Well, and he also has, he has his boys as, as all coaches, you know, the yeah. best coaches have guys that will fall, will follow you wherever. I mean, we saw it with Bob Lilly. We saw it with Anthony Pulis, like, you know, these, he has his guys. He has his Alex Dixons, his Rasmussen's, his Vucic's, um, his Jose Angulo's for whatever that's worth. Um, wasn't worth a lot this year. Yeah, tell you that yeah, much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys know about Jose Yeah, we do, we there. do. Yeah, <laughs> he, he got a little more out of Dalgard this year than we did, so good good for him for that. <laughs> yeah, Dalgard was good, man. Dalgard yeah, he was, really was. Good this year. He's the guy, uh, just so you know, he's the guy that everyone's like in training, Dalgard kills it. And then really? you know, it just never translated for a Preki team. For what that's for what that's I don't about. know. I don't know if there's many people who could translate for a Frecky team, to be yeah, completely honest. There you go. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. Difficult to watch. Jimmy's gonna land somewhere. Yep. He's gonna bring those guys with him. Hartford, like you said. But again, a different coach is gonna come around who has their guys. What will it be successful or not? Who knows? My bet my money is certainly leaning towards no, but mm-hmm. we've been proven wrong so many times in this league before. Yeah, well, and there's a lot of guys that really want jobs and a chance. So, you know, yeah. there it is. Um, Tyler, I can't thank you enough for joining us. I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you, man. And um, why don't you kind of close out with a, a final thought and uh, definitely tell everyone where they can find you online. All right. My final thought is going to be this. Always finish the season strong. Put yourself in a position to get a home game because it, it, it just goes such a long way in the United States geographically the the differences of fields in this league and support your team throughout the regular season continue to come out don't just wait for the playoffs continue to come out it, it's a it's a long season yes and the playoffs then end up becoming the, the carrot at the end of the road but in order to get there we've seen it time and time again get home games come out support your team not only just because you want to see them succeed but because we love the beautiful game but um, yeah, that's my that's my parting thoughts, uh, dude. Thank you so much for having me on. Love to be able to talk about this even at ten o'clock at night. I mean, I just like I'm just always juicing about this stuff throughout throughout the day, day and throughout the week. So, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at tn terrens. Um, of course, our podcast at three honest lads. Shoot us whatever you want. Questions, hate mail at three honest lads at gmail dot com. Uh, but yeah, man, thanks a lot, Phil. Appreciate it, bro. And uh, We'll talk soon and, and enjoy the rest of the season. It's going to be, I think it's going to be, there's going to be some really, really good moments. That Pittsburgh-Louisville game. Oh my gosh. I got a weird tingly feeling about it. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's going to be great. Uh, thanks again to you. And also, we got to close out with thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official sc- uh, scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.